Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Owning Your Authenticity with me, Diana Terry. Um, I'm actually really excited about this episode this week. We're talking about self-care. And as you've probably read, the title of this episode is Self-Care is More Than a Bubble Bath. And this actually came to me after listening to another podcast and watching some stories by Dave Hollis, where he talks about the different types of self that you need to care for. And that really resonated with me. And I did some work on it and research into it. And so I'm going to dive into the five different types of self and how to care for all those types today. So thank you for coming back, listening to another episode. I'm super excited to dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Owning Your Authenticity with me, Diana Terry. This podcast is all about breaking down the stereotypes we were raised with to create our real authentic life. We talk about every kind of relationship, life and business, creating worthy routines, setting boundaries, and leaning into that little voice that says, you are meant for more. If you've checked off all the boxes of what you were supposed to do, and you still feel like it's not right or not enough, then this podcast is for you. I know that your time is super valuable, so thank you for joining me, and let's get started. Okay, so what we're talking about today is that self-care is more than a bubble bath. Now, my children are eight years old and nine going on 10 right now, and their version of self-care is literally a bubble bath, watching a show, relaxing, um, because we're just easing them into what it means to take care of yourself. It means to rest when you need it. It means to work out when you need it. It means to do all these things. But there are different types of ourselves and there are different types of care that we can do to make sure that we are filling ourselves up on all the different levels, as well as balancing those levels where they need to be. So what I mean by this is that people think self-care is strictly physical. It's working out, it's getting a manicure, it's getting a massage. And while all of those things are absolutely valid ways to take care of our physical self, there are many other types of ourself that need care and attention and devotion from us. So of course, the physical is important. But again, it's only the one aspect. So as I did some research into this episode, I looked up the term self. And there in the dictionary, there are a bunch of different definitions for it, a bunch of different um, versions of it. The one that really resonated with me was this definition. It says, the union of elements, body, emotions, thoughts, and sensations that constitute the individuality and identity of a person. And I mean, obviously, I already do a lot of work on myself in my personal life and things like that. But reading that definition was such an eye opener because it was worded so well to make you understand that the self is so much more than just this body we live in. The self is all of the things that go into that body's function, that body's humanity, that body's connection to other people. You are more than just that body. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So diving in, first I want to define the different types of self that actually need care and attention. Obviously, the first one is the physical. We, we hear about that all the time. Let's go spoil yourself, take care of yourself, get a massage, get a pedicure, go 
to the gym, work out, invest in your physical fitness, take a bubble bath with a glass of wine and watch a show or read a book. But the other parts that we're going to talk about today as well are your emotional self, your mental self, your spiritual self, and your relational self. And now first heading into this concept, before I had done a little research or before I had uh, listened to that podcast with Dave Hollis, I had never really thought about the relational self. And that's yourself in relation to other people, the relationships that you hold with other people. Because if you think about it, those do really have a huge impact on who you are. So many times we've heard this, this phrase that you are who you associate yourself with. So when you think about it in that sense, your relational self is a huge aspect of your being and your humanity. When it comes to all of these different things, what's important is to find a way to balance them. And oftentimes people think when I say balance, um, one of the things that Dave Hollis said is he, he doesn't like the term balance. He doesn't think that things need to be balanced. Um, he chose another term for it. I can't think of it right now. But I think the misconception that people don't understand is that people think balance means evenly distributing yourself among all of these things. And that's not balance. Balance doesn't mean everything gets an equal share. It means that the weight of all the different factors working together provide a necessary stability. And one amazing example of this that was brought to my attention just in the last couple of weeks by my brother, Nathan, um, he showed me this table and um, it's it's a table that you, you can put things on it, you can hold weight, but there are two separate pieces of this table that are only connected by wire, yet it appears that one part of the table, the actual tabletop, is sitting on top of a loose wire, but because of the way that it is balanced, it holds together properly. It sits as a functional table, despite the fact that it's actually connected in any sort of like logical, functional way. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this table, or at least an example of it so that you can kind of understand what I'm trying to explain to you visually right now. It's such an amazing use of technology and understanding that creates this balance that this table is actually functional. It's crazy. So that's what I'm talking about today. It's everything deserves a different weight depending on where you're at in life, depending on what you need the most right now, what goals you're going for. And those things are also changing. They're not static. These are not set in stone percentages of your attention that your different self-care versions need. So we'll just, we're just going to dive into all the five different versions today and just kind of give you an understanding of them and maybe how to address them and go from there. So the first one we're going to talk about is our physical self-care because that's the easiest one. It's the one that's most commercialized. It's the one that's most talked about. My number one thing that I do for self-care is my bubble baths. And I know that sounds so incredibly cliche, but it's true. Um, to the point where um, my son actually, when he wants to make money for something or earn money, he makes homemade bath salts. He has a lavender plant that he takes care of. And when it blooms, he clips it and dries it out. And then he muddles it into like little pieces. So there's dried lavender. And then he mixes it with 
Epsom salt and essential oils from my collection of essential oils. And he creates bath salts that I'm not going to lie, are pretty freaking amazing. The last one he made was like a lavender grapefruit bath salt with homemade dried lavender and eucalyptus and grapefruit essential oils. It was great. Um, So that's my first go-to. What I get out of a bubble bath is not just the physical aspects. I do get a mental sense of relaxation when it comes to a bubble bath. So there can be a self-care in the sense that you take care of different types of yourselves at the same time. Um, but physical self-care is so much more than just that. That's one way to do it. It's also your nutrition. It's what you put into your body. It's what you choose to fuel yourself with. It's stretching. In the morning after my meditation, a couple times a week, I do meditative stretching where I focus on my breath and I stretch my body and my muscles. It's your breath work. It's exercise. It's your sleep. Sleep is such an huge, important part of your physical self-care. So when we talk about that, you need to evaluate yourself in all of that, in, in the sense of all of these things ca- that can attribute to you being physically well. It's not about your weight. It's not about your body. It's not about having a six-pack. It's about your wellness, your health, your overall physical well-being. And if anyone has listen to any sort of coaching or anything up till now, you understand that your physical well-being is a combination of factors. Um, I, for one, have a chronic illness. I have struggled with insomnia for 20 years. I have struggled with pain for 20 years. Um, and I haven't always taken good care of myself. I still struggle to take good care of myself physically. I still struggle. I go through weeks of stretching every day and doing yoga or working out. And then I go through weeks where I do nothing. So this is something I definitely need to get better on. Don't get me wrong. I'm always good at a bubble bath, (laughs) but I'm not always great at taking care of myself physically. And that's something that I can definitely work better on because I need to balance that more in my life. So moving on to the next one is our emotional self-care. So (laughs) feeling all of your feelings. That's the number one step to starting your emotional self-care is to actually feeling your feelings. And feelings are many things to different people, but they are always two things. They're always number one, valid. And this is something that it took me a long time to really understand what that meant. And I'll go into it in a second. And number two is that your feelings are always meant to be felt. Their feelings are meant for feeling. So to dive into those two topics really quickly, number one, your feelings are always valid. Whether you are mad, whether you are angry, whether you are sad, whether you are happy, those are all valid. No matter what, it doesn't matter the circumstance, what your initial feeling is, is valid. Now, what you choose to do with those feelings, your actions in response to those feelings, those are all choices. But your initial feelings are valid, just so you know. And number two, your feelings are for feeling. Why is it that we only dive into our good feelings and we rush through the bad ones? Because the bad ones make us uncomfortable. Because the bad ones suck to feel. That's just the truth of the matter. But for me personally, And I think a lot of people in my generation, 
we were raised to, oh, your feelings are hurt? Tough it out. Get back up. Get back on the bike. Get back on the horse. Whatever analogy you want to use, push past that feeling so that you can be okay again. And I think if you look at anybody who is, I am technically a millennial. I feel a bit older, but that's where I'm at. Anybody in my generation and within, you know, five years of my age, I think most of us remember this, okay, your your feelings, cool, move past it, be done with it. Tough it out, buck up, always be strong, especially as a female. You have to be strong. You're not allowed to be phased by your feelings. You're, you look weak when you get emotional, things like that. But look at us now. We're all sitting here needing therapy, a bunch of millennials who have unhealthy coping mechanisms. And of course, this is a very general broad sense and not everybody is like this, but a lot of the people that I know or I grew up with, we all sit here and we're very well aware of the fact that we were not taught to deal with our emotions. We were not taught to feel our feelings. We were taught to suppress them, move on, put on a happy face. And now here we are, you know, decades later, dealing with the repercussions of things that were never dealt with before. Because the truth of the matter is, those those issues that you feel strong feelings about that you suppress, they don't go away. They just sit beneath the surface and they fester and they get bigger. So <laughs> I'm here to tell you that your feelings are valid and they're meant to be felt and they're meant to be addressed. And if you're looking for help with that or a way to do that, there are a bunch of online resources now for therapy. You can do it remotely. You can do it virtually. I think there's even text therapy now. So there are so many ways to do this that doesn't require you, you know, making a big deal out of going to a therapist. It can be completely personal. Um, I know there's companies like BetterHelp. This isn't an ad, obviously, but there's companies like BetterHelp that you can go to, things like that. But the point is you need to take care of your emotional self. It's a really valid, important part of everything else. And it's part of that balancing act. Along with your mental self-care, which is similar to your emotional self-care, but it's a little different. Your mental self-care is taking care of your brain. And, and a lot of people, I think, forget your brain is a muscle that needs to be worked. And the type of workout you can do for your brain is obviously different than a physical workout. It's things like meditation. It's things like therapy, journaling, reading, um, brain games or memory games. There's so many apps out there now to encourage your brain's positive function. Um, and these are all ways to take care of your mental self. Another aspect that we need to understand is that our mental self can be affected by other parts of our self-care. If we're lacking in one part of our self-care, it can affect our mental health. Um, the reason our mental self-care is so important is that your brain is one of the most important muscles and it needs exercise just like your body. You can be perfectly physically fit and be absolutely miserable because your brain is lost, your emotions are lost, but don't worry, your body looks good. So taking care of your mental self as part of this balancing act is super important. So what I do personally for my mental health, I meditate every day. I wish it was longer, but it's not. I meditate 10 minutes every morning. And then here and there, I do a second meditation if I have time or if I feel 
like I'm struggling through a lot, I will do a second meditation. What I do that works well for me is that I take notes after my meditation for my brain to kind of work out what I felt during it. So in the morning, my routine is that I meditate for 10 minutes. Then I sit down and I write five things that I'm grateful for. And then in my journal, I write, today my meditation showed me. And then I go and I just kind of dive into what I felt, where whether my brain was super distracted, whether I couldn't stop thinking about work, whether I really felt present in my meditation, and whether I felt drawn to working towards one thing over another. And that really helps me find some mental clarity in what I'm doing and the self-care that I'm doing in that moment. I, I'm able to then set aside kind of my intentions for the day and things like that. Kind of like the last episode that we talked about, setting your intentions is, you know, one way to take care of your mental health because it helps coordinate your brain and what you're thinking and giving it a purpose and a point to work towards. So the next one I want to talk about is our spiritual self-care. And this one's a little weird for me, mainly because I, um, I was raised in a very religious home, and yet I no longer practice any sort of religion. But I think people get so freaked out by the word spiritual sometimes. Spiritual means whatever it means to you, whether it's God, whether it's Jesus, whether it's the universe, a higher power, mother nature, whether your spiritual energy comes from the moon, the sun, whatever it is, transpose whatever word or being connects with you into this section of this podcast. So the point is our souls connect with something and it's important to engage that relationship. You know, for me, I... I don't really believe in a God, but I do believe that there are things that we don't understand. I do believe that my soul definitely connects to something. For me, it's either the universe or a higher power. It's something that gives me intuition. It's something that gives me drive. It's something that gives me understanding that can't be explained. And the biggest one that I've always had, whether I was still within the religious community or not, is intuition. And I've always had a strong intuition. I was never told to listen to it, really. I was told to listen to the teachings or whatever it may be. But as I've gotten older, the more understanding I have that my intuition is whatever it may be telling me something, when I listen to it, I do better. When I have that intuition feeling and I ignore it, things go wrong. And that's just the A plus B equals C of how my life has gone. And ways to tap into that more is for some people, it's church. Some people finding community in church is what fuels their spiritual self-care. Wonderful. Do that. For some people, it's meditation. For me, meditation is a big part of my spiritual self-care. Other people, they dive into scripture and they find a connection to their spiritual self-care in scriptures and reading and things like that. For other people, it's prayer. Whatever it means to you is what I'm talking about. So whatever it is that fills you up in that sense, that unexplainable sense that I feel a connection or I feel called upon to do this, or people say, oh, it was, it's been put on my heart to do this. I've been called to do this work. Whatever it is that drives you to do that, 
pay attention to it. Spend time every week asking yourself what you need for that part of your life. Asking yourself what you need to engage in those emotions. That's what I mean by spiritual self-care. And the last one is relational self-care. And this is the one that I've only discovered recently, yet I realize that ironically, it's the type of self-care I have always, always engaged in without realizing that that's what it was. So for me, I naturally put a lot of focus and time and attention into my closest relationships. You know, when I was younger, we always had a big group of friends and there was always somewhere to go and something to do. And as you get older, you whittle those down into the friendships that fill you and that fuel you the most. And having that level of recognition for the relationships that matter to you is huge. And if if you're at that place where you're like, oh, I have 20 friends. Awesome. I love that you at some point can call anybody and have somewhere to go and something to do. But I do challenge you or anyone really to sit down and maybe think through all of the relationships in your life. And this is family, friends, partners, whatever it may be. Which relationships matter the most to you? Which relationships do you spend the most time with? And are they serving you well? Um, I was raised to believe that family is family and blood is blood. And even if it's not good for you, that's family and you don't leave. I am here to tell you that that is not true. <laughs> and some people may take offense to that. And if you do, I am, I do apologize. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just telling you that being related by blood does not make someone a positive influence on your life. Being related by blood does not mean that people have your best interest at heart. But when you choose to have a friend, when you choose to have a partner, when you choose your family, whether they're already your family, you are making a conscious effort to put time and energy, your emotions into someone else's well-being and their well-being in relation to you. Do I make this person's life better? Do they make my life better? Wonderful. Fuel that. On the flip side, if someone is draining you, draining your energy, draining your happiness, offending you in little ways that you're just like, oh, I can't get that mad at it because it's just a joke. It's not a joke. If someone makes you feel bad, you're allowed to put boundaries out around that person. You're allowed to put boundaries around that relationship. And that is relational self-care. Relational self-care is fueling and feeding the good relationships and putting boundaries where necessary around everything else. So I want you to really do me a favor, take a moment, sit down, write it out, stream of consciousness. I don't know, make a list of your friends and family that you're in close contact with, which ones are fueling you well, which ones are not. Feed yourself into the ones that are good, put boundaries the ones around the ones that aren't doing good for you. And you have every right to do those things. So why is it important to address all of these different forms of self-care simultaneously? And this is when we go back to the idea of balance. It's like a recipe for dinner. A perfectly balanced meal 
engages some sort of all of your senses. So if you've ever eaten at like a really fancy dinner or just had a really, really good meal, think back to the last time that you had a meal that just was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how delicious that was. Chances are it touched on a little bit of all of your taste buds. It had a little bit of sweet. It had a little bit of salt. It had a little bit of fat. It had some acid. It was balanced. And maybe it was a bacon dish, so there was more salt than sweet. But there was probably a little bit of sweet to balance out the salt. Things like that. When people make spice blends, they focus on a balance of spices. If you were just like, okay, you know, for example, if I only focus on my physical self-care and say physical self-care with salt and you're making a taco seasoning recipe and you didn't focus on the cumin, the chili powder, the onion powder, the garlic, you're going to get food that is so salty that you can't eat it because you only focused on one part of the balance of that spice blend. So ways to do this for yourself is to physically schedule time in your calendar to do each one. Um, for me, I have daily meditation. It's just the first thing I do when I wake up. Other things that I can schedule into my calendar to feed my relational self-care is weekly coffee with a friend or date night with my fiance or time with the kids. You know, every Monday night, my fiance is out working a shift in the evening and that's the night that I have with the kids alone and we watch movies and we snuggle on the couch. It's important to understand and like kind of evaluate your schedule and see, you know, are you putting too much time into one thing and not enough time into your other forms of self-care and then you feel off track, you feel off balance, like maybe you feel really physically fit, but you're unhappy and you don't know why, or you spend a lot of time in your emotions, but you physically feel uncomfortable in your body. Having an understanding of it as a whole will help you realize where your surpluses and your deficiencies are and help you have the information to adjust those things. So learn to say no to things that don't serve you and learn to say yes more to the things that fill you up. And one way to do that is to form a self-care plan. Make a list for each type of self-care, whether it's whether it works for you on a weekly basis, whether you prefer to do a monthly basis, whatever. And then under each one, so we're talking physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, relational, write th three things under each category that you can do to take care of yourself in that sense. And then put it on a calendar. I mean, if you have, you know, if your calendar is kept digitally, you can create a separate calendar, a self-care calendar, and put in every day a reminder like, okay, at six in the morning, I meditate for 10 minutes. And then every Thursday, I have coffee with this person. And then Tuesday afternoons, we do a lunch date to you know, engage in my personal relationship. And then I do therapy on Saturdays, whatever it is, whatever works for you and how you schedule yourself, do that. Write it down on paper, put a reminder in your phone, however you best organize yourself, put your self-care in there because it is so incredibly important. Um, and then one other way to do it is to just have an accountability partner. If you have someone that understands the value of what you're talking about, the value of balancing all of your self-care routines, 
you guys can check in with each other. Be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This week I'm having lunch with this person. This is what I'm doing for myself. I'm going to do this, take this new workout class on Thursday. What are you doing for yourself this week? How are you taking care of yourself this week? And you can have an accountability partner, just like people do with nutrition or with working out or whatever. Let someone be that for you in the full broad spectrum of taking care of yourself. So why is this so important for living an authentic life? It's because it takes us back to the definition that I found of self. The definition that I found was the union of elements, body, emotions, thoughts, sensations that constitute the individuality and identity of a person. The individuality and identity of a person. These, these things are what make up us as humans, as our human experience. These things are what make our humanity. And if you're failing to engage or respect any of them for yourself, then you're failing yourself because you deserve more. You deserve to be emotionally happy and respected. You deserve to be mentally happy. You deserve to feel physically good. You deserve to have good relationships and a connection with whatever spiritual self you have. You deserve all these things in order to live the most authentic version of your human experience. And that's it. You don't have to settle for anything less than that. I just hope that you take this information. Again, another great person to follow or to listen to is Dave Hollis. I follow him on Instagram. He posts daily, which is awesome. He also has a wonderful podcast called Rise Together. And I encourage you to take some time after listening to this podcast and think about your own personal self-care regime. Think about your own self-care plan, your physical self, your emotional, mental, spiritual, and relational self. And then decide where you need to do better for yourself. Decide where you deserve more and put it into play. So I just want to thank you guys for showing up today. I want to thank you for listening. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed, if you got something great out of it, Please screenshot it, share on social, Facebook and Instagram. You can tag us at Owning Your Authenticity. Again, you can always visit our website, which is owningyourauthenticity.com. There's a spot on there where you can submit a message or ask questions or just connect with us. If you want to be on the podcast, you can go there as well. And I really wish that you have the most beautiful day possible. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you.